But it's great being here this morning. Just a few facts for you, uh, just to let you know. I have three shirts. This is one of them. <laughs> because I do this lots, I try not to have a big wardrobe. No, I'm just kidding. My wife takes me out shopping once in a while when she says it's time to go shopping. Other fun fact is I like to visit. I enjoy coffees. I enjoy getting out to know you as a people. Uh, now, a lot of people get nervous when they hear that. I've been in some churches. They say, I had one gentleman say, well, the only time the pastor preached was when there was a death or I wasn't giving. And I'm alive and I'm giving, so why are you here? I like to get to know people. I want to know how you're doing, uh, what makes you tick, how I can pray for you. Uh, it's important to know that as we travel this journey together. That little fact is I like the outdoors. And so I enjoy uh, hunting. I enjoy different things like that. Getting out, I have a hunting dog. And uh, she keeps me in somewhat good shape as I try to keep her in really good shape. So uh, if you like doing that kind of stuff, don't be afraid to uh, get a hold of me. But on the coffee piece, please, uh, Amanda is going to be coming in, and uh, we want to just really get set up there uh, to any time. Morning coffee, afternoon lunch, afternoon coffee, evening suppers. Uh, my wife, Colleen, is going to be working at the hospital, uh, so she'll be on days and she'll be on evenings. Uh, so if you want her and I together, weekends would be better uh, for that. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can, if you can settle, you can have me, and I'd like to just get to know your heart. So I'm going to be letting you know that right off the gate because if you don't get a hold of me, I will get a hold of you. All right? I just want to get to know you. I've done uh, construction and different things like that, and that's my background. So I'd like to get to know you and your background on what you do. I also, to a, re a real quick correction in the bulletin, and this is my mistake. Carly and I talked about this. Um, in your bulletin, it says the 19th uh, that we'd like to get together and have an information meeting tell you a little bit about who I am, what this journey is going to look like, where we're going to go, uh, this kind of stuff, that date is wrong because I won't be here. <laughs> so the 14th is originally what I was talking with, and I know that's a Thursday evening, and I know that's when worship teams do their sound check and such, but I would really encourage you all to come because I have lots of information I'd like to share with you and answer any questions you may have because this is a new process for you. It's a new journey for you. Uh, you've been blessed with a pastor for 40 years. And, uh, and so now it's a new journey. And so uh, what's that going to look like? What's that mean? And I want to just walk through and answer any questions you may have and tell you a little bit more about myself. So uh, that's, the f that's that. Then uh, I would encourage you to uh, fill out the little surveys. And I know it was encouraged earlier, but these really help me know where you're at as a church body. And they're confidential. So you'll see this little small one floating around. That one doesn't ask for your name on it. Just asks you to fill it out. It's really quick. Um, 
There's, if you can, just leave it in the back or on a table. We'll collect them. Uh, um, Carly has a little box as well. We can put them in there. You have a little bit bigger one that was emailed out to you probably some time ago. It might be in your junk box. You might not be able to find it. We have hard copies of that as well. That one there is confidential, okay? That one there, fill it out and give it to me. Uh, personally, put it in an envelope, give it to the gals, uh, Amanda or Carly, uh, next week or the week after. This just helps me out because what I'm going to be doing is giving you a health report. Uh, normally, I try to do this fairly soon, uh, but uh, not everybody's gotten them in, and I understand it's new. Why would this guy want this? Uh, what's this all about? It's harvest time. But I would really encourage you to do this. This helps me know uh, transitional is completely different than residential pastoring. And uh, there is no perfect church because if there was, I would suggest neither of us go to it because we're going to make it imperfect real quickly. And so what is it the Lord wants us to work on? What is it the Lord wants us to prepare for the next part of the journey? And what's that look like? And so this really helps me out and uh, gets to know where you're at. And I've asked the elders and the deacons to do it, and some of them are getting to it, working on it. Um, and so I would ask that you do the same with that as well. This mic is really sensitive. It picks up everything. I'm going to have to keep myself in shape. <clears throat> oh, sure. All right, some... We've talked about it a little bit. Even Jim alluded to it in his prayer. What's this all going to look like? I don't know if you can all see this clear enough. This is Todd's journey, okay, for this church. Here to there, it's Todd's journey. Nice and straight. Going to get there real quickly, okay, here to there. This, however, is God's plan. All right? The reason I share that with you is that this is the 11th church that I've done. This is a transitional pastor, and it's never straight. The journey is always up and down. We get going on something, and then the Lord moves in such a way and deals with different things in our body. And we, we either want, every time we go down on a low cycle, we want to kind of go back. We're kind of like going to be like, and I can tell you this right now, like the Israelites. We're going to want to go back to the land of milk and honey. I mean, why in the world would you bring us out here in the desert? Okay, and so this is going to be the journey. We're going to have some water to cross in these low spots, we're going to have a bunch of boulders to cross, probably even some uh, repelling, all right? There'll be tough times, and I just want to kind of let you know that as we go through this journey, 
that, that uh, it's going to be up and down. And this is what it'll look like. And we will get to this side because the Lord brings us through that and moves us through that. And I will also say this, because it's very easy to have this fear, and that is, oh, no, what are we going to do for a pastor? And are we going to get a pastor? And I would say, leave that to the Lord. Leave that in the Lord's hands. He will have the man and the couple for you as you move through this journey. It's a process. And of the ten churches that have done, he has supplied a man and a couple every time. And in his time, and in marvelous and, and mysterious ways, he has moved. I just finished up a church in Hoadley, of which some of you already know, because you have some relations there, and you've been watching, and uh, probably even creeping me, they say in, in the social media. Don't worry, I've been creeping some of you. It's ready. One of the things, though, as we move through this journey, and the importance of it is prayer. And so I would encourage you uh, to take notes if you take notes. I would encourage you to bring a pen or a pencil because in the next few Sundays, I'm going to have homework for you that we're going to do, and that we're going to do together. And one of those homework pieces you're going to see is a little three-by-five card coming out next Sunday and the Sunday after, and, and we're going to do up a prayer booklet. And this booklet will be your prayers for this church body, where you would like to see God do, how you, like say, how you would like to see God move. And we're not going to put names to those prayers, okay? It's going to be a prayer booklet made up of your prayers. So I would encourage you to bring, bring a pen, bring your Bibles, Bring a pencil. Follow along. So in your bulletin, you have an outline ready. There you also have uh, some homework. And I want us to start working through the Lord's Prayer. And so you have some homework that you can do with the family. And I know we have a lot of young families here. I met some of them at the camp out. You can do it as a couple. You can do it as as a single person, walking through it. The Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, once said this, just as the business of a tailor is making clothes and the business of a cobbler is making shoes, so the business of a Christian is praying. And if that's true, and as I was thinking about this, I had to ask myself the same question. If that's true, I have a question for you this morning. How is business? If you're like most Christians I know, your prayer life is not all that you wish it were. Perhaps that's why Amazon.com carries over, over 8,000 different books on prayer. A few years ago, Life Magazine asked the Gallup organization to conduct a poll on American prayer habits. The Gallup organization found that 90% of Americans claim to pray, with three out of four claiming to pray on a daily basis. 
Most Americans, they pray alone, in isolation, and with only 11% pray with other people. And I'm thinking that we as Canadians are not much too different in this area of prayer. Yet for all this praying going on, most people remain arrogant, sorry, They remain simple in their understanding to the basics of the Christian faith. And they're devoid of a close relationship with God. And so this morning, as we dive into the Lord's Prayer, how is business in your life this morning? Are you satisfied with where your prayer life is? Or do most of you feel guilty because when you close your eyes and you want to start praying, your mind wanders as you try to pray? I set up my office this past week, and as I was uh, praying, uh, I happened to open up my eyes, and I was praying, and once you know it, there were some books out of line. And I have a bad case of OCD, and so... Right away, I had to straighten up the books. You hear stories about people who spend entire days in prayer only to feel inadequate and defeated. And this morning, I want us to start a four-week series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus gave his followers. And in some ways... Reading a book or listening to a sermon on prayer is a little bit like trying to get marriage counseling by correspondence. There's no substitute for actually praying, actually spending time with God, learning, trying new things, experimenting, persevering, and seeking. However, it's my hope that as we go through this series over the next few Sundays that you will be motivated to spend a little bit more time actually praying. Because as we get going on this journey and there's going to be ups and downs, it's not going to be a straight, smooth line, we need all the help we can get in our personal lives, in our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren, and with each other as a church body. When I was a little kid, I remember learning the Lord's Prayer. And I come from CRC background. And so when we learned the Lord's Prayer, we learned it intellectually. And we would see how fast we could rattle it off. And it meant very little to us. And maybe you were raised that way. Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you read the Lord's Prayer and you thought about it and it just kind of is something you just rattle off really quickly. You don't really get into the meat of it. 
This prayer is prayed in a variety of different circumstances, from weddings where I've been to, to funerals. And yet few of us really understand how Jesus intended his prayer to be used. Instead of it being an invitation to a rich, deepening life of prayer, for many of us, it's just words. When, when I was a kid, it was just words. We rattled it off as fast as we could. It was said at every meal before, before we ate. This morning, I want us to take a look at how the Lord intended this prayer to be used. And then I want us to look at three invitations that come from the Lord's Prayer. And so if you want, take out that outline and follow along. We're going to dig into Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to get into verse 9. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to go there as well. What is the Lord's Prayer? We start with this question. The answer to that question may seem very obvious, but perhaps it's not so obvious as we like to think. According to the New Testament, Jesus taught people this prayer on two different occasions. The first of these occasions, what we find here in Matthew, is during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, perhaps the most famous sermon of all times, Jesus presents us with the marks of an authentic follower of Jesus. And it's in this context that Jesus introduces the Lord's Prayer. So if we go to it, let's start off at verse 8 in chapter 6 of Matthew. He starts off with this. As he's walking amongst the people and he's teaching, he says this. Do not be like them. He's talking about the Pharisees, the scribes. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The key word here, as we start off this morning, is the word how. This is how you should pray. We learn that the Lord's Prayer is a model. It's a model for authentic communication with God. It's, it's just a model. In other words, Jesus did not intend this prayer to be a formula to recite, which I did as a kid. And we raced through it. And in the Christian school, we raced through it. It's a model, though, for authentic communication with God. Jesus didn't say in this prayer, here's what to pray. Notice that. He didn't say what to pray. He tells us, here's how to pray. And so the key word is how. 
Now, I'm not against reciting the Lord's Prayer. I love the Lord's Prayer. Matter of fact, when I draw a blank, I start off with the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is like the kindergarten learning his or her ABCs. It's good to recite the ABCs. But the goal of reciting the ABCs is not to get the child to point where he can or she can't read or write. Reciting the Lord's Prayer is helpful in assisting us to understand how it functions as a model of prayer. But reciting it alone does not get us past the ABCs of prayer. On my computer, and we rely so heavily upon those today, I have a word processing program. And I have several templates in that word processing program. And these are templates. They're pre-existing documents that are already there. And when you use a template, you enter in your own personal information in the various fields. And this is kind of what the Lord's Prayer is like. It's a prayer template. It shows us how we should approach God and what kind of things should characterize our communication with God. If I was looking for a job and gave an employer the resume template without any of my personal information, I would never get a job. If all we do is recite the Lord's Prayer without filling in the outline with our own unique information, I have not really begun to use the Lord's Prayer as the way Jesus intended it to be used. So Jesus tells us prayer is not a show. Matter of fact, verses 5 and 6, before this, Jesus warns us against praying like the religious hypocrites who pray in order to be heard by other people. I don't know how many of you remember this, if you grew up in the church like I did. So we went from CRC to Baptist. And Baptists, back in the 60s and 70s, when they went into prayer, they changed their voice. They went deeper. And they went long. Man, did they pray long. Like one person could pray like 15, 20 minutes. And there was 10 of them left to do. Okay? And, and, and so as a teenager, I was like, how do you take this all in? Prayer is not a show. Unfortunately, as preachers, we can do this very poorly as well. Matter of fact, it's not uncommon for a preacher to close in prayer and he just reprays his whole sermon. He just preached 30 minutes and he'll list off all his points to you. There's nothing wrong with praying out loud. But we need to consistently guard against praying for show. So prayer is not a show. It's authentic communication with God. Prayer is also not a technique.
Many of the teachings about prayer in our culture and even in our church present prayer as a technique for getting what you want from God. It's not. We hear promises like, if you just pray this prayer for 30 days, you'll experience God's blessings and you'll get what you want in life. We are sometimes led to think that it's the right words or the right combination of words that cause, cause spiritual breakthrough in our lives. And Jesus warns in verses 7 and 8 against praying like the pagans who babble their prayers thinking that they will be heard by their many words. The Greeks and the Romans of Jesus' day believed that the key to getting what they want from God, their gods, was using the right combination of words. And in so doing, they reduced prayer to a technique. The Lord's Prayer is neither a show nor a technique, but it's a model, it's a template for authentic communication with God. Which brings us to three invitations we find in the Lord's Prayer. Three invitations as we dive into it further. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus modeled and taught his followers to pray this prayer on two different occasions. And I'd like to take a moment just to talk about the other occasion that Jesus talked about this prayer, taught this prayer. The first one we find is in Matthew, which we just walked through the Sermon on the Mount. But in Luke's gospel, we find Jesus instructing his closest followers about this prayer during a private conversation. And if you go to Luke chapter 11 in your Bibles, or if you have your phone with you and you got a U version or something like that on there, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. On that, on one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. Luke gives us more details about Jesus' prayer life than any other bibliography of Jesus we have in the Bible. And in chapter 11, we find that Jesus himself is praying and his followers see something different in Jesus. Somehow Jesus' prayer life is characterized by a level of intimacy and richness that was different. And therefore, Jesus' friends, they asked him to teach them to pray. And apparently, John the Baptist's followers had a set way of praying. And we know that Jewish people of the time had a set prayer called the 18 benedictions that they would often pray together. By asking Jesus to give them a distinctive way to pray together, Jesus' followers are realizing that they are a unique community. You're a unique community. 
that they are bound together in a special way. We are bound together in a special way. The Spirit is with us right now. God is here. He is moving. He is stirring. If you were to go to the church down the road or to Hoadley, you would see the Spirit moving there. And it's in response to this request that Jesus gives his followers what we know and what's called the Lord's Prayer. And so the first invitation is this. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus invites us to share in his own prayer life. That's the first invitation. He's inviting us to share in his own prayer life. Interestingly enough, Jesus probably never prayed the Lord's Prayer. It was a prayer that he taught the disciples. And we know that because we know that it would have been inappropriate for Jesus to pray, forgive us of our sins, because according to the Bible, he never sinned. Okay? However, I do think Jesus did follow the same basic pattern of prayer that we see outlined in this. Lord's Prayer. I found several parallels between the Lord's Prayer and Jesus' extended prayer life, and you'll see that in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. Although Jesus himself never asked for forgiveness, it's important to remember that the prayer Jesus gives us comes out of his own prayer life It's only because Jesus dared to address God as his Father that we can address God as his Father. Just think about that. It's only because of Jesus' message about God's kingdom that we can seek God for his kingdom will in our lives. It's only because Jesus was obedient to the Father for his needs, that we can seek God for his provision in our lives when we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. It's only because of Jesus' death and resurrection that we can find forgiveness of sin. Jesus played such a huge role in this. Jesus is like the son of a famous president who we would never get to know on our own. We would never get to meet. Without knowing the son personally, we would never have our written letters that we write to the president read we'd probably get back a form letter from a lower staff member if we got any response at all. However, because we know the president's son, he shares his own relationship with his father with us. He shares his own access, his own intimacy, 
his own ability to go straight to the Father with requests is such a powerful thing. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, when you, when you pray this, he says to them in chapter 11, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You're coming before a holy God because of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus probably taught this prayer in Aramaic. And when Matthew and Luke wrote their bibliographies on Jesus, they translated the Lord's Prayer into Greek. That, of course, has been translated to us in English. Aramaic was the primary language spoken of the Jewish people of Jesus' day. And the Greek was a written language. If Jesus originally gave this prayer in Aramaic, then the word for Father, Jesus would have used Aramaic term Abba. Abba. Abba is the Aramaic term for Father. In fact, we find Jesus addressing God using the Aramaic term Abba in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. We find evidence of this being common terms of how Christians address God in Romans chapter 8 and in Galatians chapter 4. The term Abba was a familiar term. It was an endearment term that a child would use to address his or her father in the context of a family. It's not quite equivalent to the word daddy, but closer perhaps to dad or dearest father. The first century Jewish people would have never dreamed to approach God in this way. To call God Abba would seem too irrelevant, uh, irreverent and familiar. And yet, this is what Jesus invited us to approach God. We sometimes find it difficult approaching God in this way. But for very different reasons. Sometimes, when we think of God as our dad, we immediately think of our own fathers. And we have a real tendency to project our experiences with our own fathers on to God. To shape God in the image of our own father. This really hit me when I was working with this in one church. And one young teenage girl came up to me and said, if God is like my dad, I want nothing to do with him. She come from a very broken home. We are invited to approach Jesus, to approach God as a father unlike any father we have ever known. You see, the reason why we know if our fathers are inadequate is that somewhere deep inside of us, we know that there's a standard for being a good father. 
We know dads are not supposed to abuse or neglect their kids or refuse to pay child support or abandon us. We know that because we know that real dads would not do that. We know that because we have a hunger to know a father whose character is far beyond the imperfections of our earthly fathers. Because we have a need to know God as our father. We don't come to know God as our father just by observation or religious experience. God is not our Father merely because God created us. God becomes our Father through Jesus Christ, God's Son. This is how we come to know God as our Father. Because what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, this is why it's essential for us to experience what the Bible calls a new birth. In order to come into the family to know God as our Father. And this is what Jesus was teaching. He was teaching his followers this. Lord, teach us how to pray. This is what you say. Father, Abba. One first must be a follower of Jesus in order to pray. This prayer as Jesus intended it to pray. If not, it just becomes empty words. When we pray this prayer as part of the community, not simply the human race, but part of the Christian community, who have come together to know God as our Father through Jesus Christ, God's unique Son. When we pray this prayer, we affirm our place in Jesus' church, that we are distinctly Christian, and that we only love and serve and obey God as part of the Christian community. So whether we pray this prayer alone or with others, we pray this prayer as part of a community. Notice the phrase, our Father, is balanced in the phrase, in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And then if you go to Matthew, chapter 6, it says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's the thing. God is not a passive sugar daddy who simply gives us whatever we want when we want it. God is uniquely different from any father that we have ever experienced because he is the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of the galaxies. He is an awesome God. The theological term for this is God's transcendence. The fact that God is beyond creation that he is far more awesome and incredible than we could ever imagine. And so this is an odd combination of terms, putting together a term of intimate, dermant, like Abba, 
with this transcending phase in heaven. And so it leads us to the second invitation real quickly in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus invites us to approach God with reverent humility. Reverent humility. Far too often, we get out of balance with this. Either approaching God irreverently, without humility, or we're so familiar that we have no more reverence. When we approach God reverently, without humility, we approach God as the creator and judge of the universe. We're careful to use the right words. We're afraid if we use the wrong words, he's going to get us. And that's not our God. When we, attro- when we tend to approach with a high level of, of humility, we'll start using words like thou and thy. We approach with fear. Matter of fact, we'll approach sometimes with our faces downcasted because of our failures. We dare not ask God for anything because we figure God cannot be bothered with our petty problems. And that's not what Jesus is teaching here. Perhaps we will ask God for help on, on really big ones like cancer or divorce, but not like problems like an unfair boss or a habit we're trying to break or a relationship we're trying to destroy. Other times we are tempted to approach God with familiarity, but without reverence. We rush into God's presence with a list of things we want. I am bad for that. Right away, oh Lord, if you could help me here, here, and here, we list all the things. We rush into God's presence kind of like the, the prodigal child who only calls on her mom and dad or his mom and dad when they need to get out of jail or they need some bail money or they need something. We tend to bring God down to our level. Sometimes we'll even call him the big guy or the man upstairs. When I was welding, I heard those frames quite a bit when I was welding. We're blinding ourselves when we do this because of his awesome greatness and his incredible power. Jesus invites us to approach God as our Father in heaven with reverent humility. Humility that dares to approach the majestic and awesomeness, the creator of the galaxies, okay, as our Father. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. That brings us to the last part of Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, which is really first request in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means to make something holy. 
to treat something as holy. Now, this prayer doesn't mean that God is somehow lacking in holiness and that we're, we're to pray for that. No, God, I hope, you know, you get holy enough real soon. That's not what he's saying. It's a prayer for God's holiness to be manifested. For people to treat God with the holiness that really belongs to him. It's the same idea that comes out of the doxology of the prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. These things belong to God. Third invitation is this. Jesus invites us in participating, to participate in honoring his name. When you think about the Lord's Prayer, it's a powerful thing. The holy, awesome creator of the universe is not treated as he deserves in our world today. Some people deny that he even exists. Others hold to ideas about God that are entirely unworthy of him. Some people think that God is cruel and others think that he's petty. God's reputation has been slandered by his own creation. And rather than simply snuffing out creation, which he could do, God invites us to participate in vindicating his reputation. And this invitation is really an invitation to worship God. To seek the honor of God's holiness first in our lives. We come together to sing praises to God, which we've done this morning. To lift up our adoration and love to God as we sing. We're seeking to honor God's name. We offer up sacrifices be our time, our ministry, our financial giving. We are honoring God's name. Our corporate worship is part of participating in honoring God's reputation. However, we call to live this way throughout the week as well. As we express our love and adoration to God in worship while we drive on the freeway, while we wait for a client, while we drop off the kids to school, as we start this Lord's Prayer, do you want a model for how to share in Jesus' prayer life, how to approach God with intimate familiarity and how to participate in honoring God's name? If so, I would encourage you to learn the Lord's Prayer. Not just to recite the words, but to use it as a model in your own prayer life. It's an invitation that Jesus gives us when he teaches us to pray, not just to say prayers, but to enter into a deep Rich life of authentic communication with God. You don't need to change your voice. You don't need to change your vocabulary. But God wants 
you to, to get to know him. To lift up those requests. Just as you would your earthly dad. Climb up on his knee. And let him know what is on your heart. Let me just uh, close with prayer here. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this model that you've given to us. Lord, I just pray that as we begin this journey, that you may cause a stirring in each one of our lives, that we may use this template to get to know you intimately and deeply. Lord, thank you for being our creator and our sustainer and our provider. I'm praying I see things in your name.